Hey, I'm Michael Dorinda. And I'm Jake Bennett. And welcome to episode 86 of the North Meet South web podcast. You're just going to take my word for it, just like that, huh? You're just going to be like, that's it. Jake's Jake's got it figured out, I guess, as to what the episode number was. I'm pretty sure it's 86. Let me double check. We, we both know that I'm smarter than that. And of course, I went and checked before committing to the episode number. NMS, yep, 86. I think it's 86. <clears throat> Before anyway, we start, folks. I want to talk about this. Can you see this? Ooh, this yes, I can. I can. Be. I got my, I got my print copy of the uh, Shape Up book by. Yeah. It says it's by Ryan Singer. I don't know if he wrote mm-hmm. the entire book by himself or if Jason and uh, and David are involved or anything. But um, it's Have the. You, did you read the online the, version? It's the book. I read read most of it. Um, I got about halfway through. But uh, I'm not very good with books. I'm not really a completionist. Well, I'm not really a completionist when it comes to anything, really. I can just get bored and stop. But I figured if I've got the physical one, at least I can leaf through it in in some idle time. Not that I get a lot of that either. Right, yeah. You know what? Honestly, man, like I love the idea of that book. And I think that there are some really interesting ideas in there. And there's a lot of people who have kind of jumped on that bandwagon. And there's even like GitHub repos full of like, hey, here are the documents that you could use in order to kind of follow this to a T. Mm-hmm. I think that's missing the point. If there's like documents and templates and things like that to like codify it, I think I don't. It's not really supposed to be codified. And you know how it and is. I did though, interrupt man. you, like the, with developers, yeah, right? It's like we just want to be yeah, told what to do. It's like just give it to be me. Prescribed. Yeah, it, need, yeah. it needs to be prescribed. I think too. Six weeks seems good. I don't really know that I've got a whole lot of projects that are six weeks worth. Like, and the thing that I don't know, I haven't read yet, and you may be able to clear this up for me. Are you doing six weeks of work and then shipping or are you shipping during that six-week cycle? Because mm. there's like things that we would do that are like, you know, two, three-day features or one-week features. That Are you really going to hold them off for that full six weeks or are you just going to ship it? Because we do a, a for our main application, we, we ship on Tuesdays. It's just easier to manage change logs and notifications and things like that if it's consistent. As much as I yeah. dislike the notion of a rigid release cycle, mm-hmm. being able to say like on Tuesday we are launching this and that gives us the opportunity to get all of our Dependabot stuff lined up, all of our dependencies done, all of our bugs fixed. Typically we'll do like a Fix-It Friday where we go through any of the non-urgent bugs that came up in the, the week preceding and, and get all that stuff rolled in so that that goes in the next release and things like that. How are so, you liking that? Is that Fix-It Friday working pretty good for you guys? It's it's kind of ad hoc. It's not really a structured thing. So we're not we're not really we've got to get ourselves out of the mentality of just fixing stuff as it comes up. Mm-hmm. We're getting better. It's kind of like the the, the bug report comes in and we we'll throw it into Jira and then we'll come back to it on Friday. Yeah. Um but yeah, there's still just the the mental hurdle to get over doing it straight away kind of thing. Yeah, no, it is. It is a mental hurdle. No joke. Because sometimes you feel like you're not doing your job or you're like you doing it poorly or like you're letting people down, right? And it's a really just yeah. like, no, we're just kind of like trying to make sure that we're staying on task with the things that are most important. Yeah. Um, but it's a hard, it is. It's a really hard shift to, to do. So, yeah. It's interesting though. So, so the answer to the question is, I would be interested. I don't have an answer as the, as the quick answer. The longer <laughs> answer is I'd be really interested to see kind of what Adam's been able to do. Man, they've shipped a crazy amount of work in yeah. a short amount of time. Once they've, And I know that they've really sort of tried to adopt some of this 
methodology around sort mm -hmm. of these six week cycles. And it seems like they've been able to do it pretty successfully. So, but I know that kind of, he had these similar sort of situations where he's like, you know, I don't have like a project that takes up six weeks, but I think maybe some of the idea is more like, Hey, let's go through the planning process of figuring out what we want to go through over the next six weeks. And then that planning, planning process is like, you don't revisit that. You don't have to revisit that because yeah. you've thought through most of what's going to happen. So you could have multiple projects taking place in that six weeks, but the planning mm -hmm. and upfront thinking through the different roadblocks you're going to hit, the different things you're going to need or whatever has already happened on the front end. Instead of like, mm -hmm. hey, here's something that might take a week. And then halfway through the week, you realize, oh, crap, we didn't really think about that very well. It's actually going to take longer than that. And now you're like blowing your schedule out of the water. And it's just, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's messy. It's like you take the time up front to really think through what's the next six weeks going to look like. Okay, we think we have enough work for the next six weeks. Here it is. And now for the next six weeks, the people who are doing the planning can plan for the following six weeks right so i think it's yeah, a lot of work up right. front mm -hmm. but uh but i think it would pay off dividends because like I, there's nothing that makes me feel worse than having to change requirements midstream it's the worst i hate yeah. that it makes yeah. everybody feel we're crap. getting yeah we're getting a lot more structured now as as the business is kind of starting to grow we we sat down with our key stakeholders last week well, i sat down with our key stakeholders last week and we went through a sort of transition for the kind of ad hoc way that we used to do features and we didn't really scope things and plan things properly and things changed a lot. So we're sort of over the next three to six months looking to transition towards a little bit more structure around that, being able to plan out knowing what the business wants to do so that we can sort of plan, you know, they, they want to do something in February. So what do we need to make sure is done between now and yeah. then so that we can facilitate that? Just getting a little more, I suppose, just having insight into the future and a little bit more structure and a little bit more refinement into what it is that we're actually planning on doing over a period of time you know and things might change and <clears throat> in, in a three to six month window it's a long long period of time so what we say is going to happen in four months time may change between now and then but as long as we're mindful and we we have enough lead time and then also to kind of stop the things jumping ahead and saying you know we want to do this all of a sudden it's like okay we can do that, but what are you bumping off? So, you know, and it, it's, a, it's a standard argument, right? And it happens everywhere. What are we bumping off to do that? And, and yeah, the in trick lots is, of places is that nothing gets bumped off and everything has to be done and then nothing gets done kind of thing. So yeah, it'd be good the to see The trick is you have to have that goes. list. You have to have that list mm -hmm. first to, to let them know, yeah. like, hey, these are the things you've defined that are really important. Like, mm -hmm. And if you don't have that list, it's just kind of in your head. Yeah. And you've not like written it down anywhere for them to look at and actually make it concrete. It's like, well, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. What are we bumping off? Like, what, what are you working on? It's like, well, a, a bunch of stuff. Well, like what specifically, what are we bumping off? Like, it's like, well, yeah. Um, you know what I mean? So yeah, it's sort of just, yeah. And we like, we work to set the expectation early so that it's understood that if we are going to start moving things around that, that there is an expectation that things will have to, to move off and get bumped off. And, you know, also the expectation that like we need to to plan these things ahead of time and we need to understand what the requirements are before we start doing anything, um, which has been kind of a, a pain point for us for a while. So, yeah, we've we're in the middle of a project right now where it's kind of like, man, it was weird because we're switching phone systems. And so we like scheduled six weeks of time for the dev team to just be like available like because we didn't know when exactly we would be needed or that the, mm -hmm. the dev team specifically would be needed there was a lot of it work on the one side of that was really heavy that needed to be done 
uh, we were previously operating on thin clients and now we had to move everybody to actual desktops. So we had to get all of those deployed and blah, blah, blah. And then the dev team was just kind of like waiting, like, okay, what are we doing? What are we, you know? And then all this stuff sort of came down to the last minute. It's like, oh, well, here's a bunch of requirements and like, we we are pretty sure about this. Okay, so develop to that spec. And then it was like, wait, 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 wait that changed. That changed. No, no, change that back. And it's like, okay, crap. All right, we'll move that back. And then it was like, no, 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 we changed our mind back. It's, oh my <laughs> word. And so I feel terrible about it because I just keep having to, I, I have to be the bearer of bad news every time. It's like, okay, well, the way that they, the way that the vendor that we were integrating with said it was going to work, doesn't actually work. So we'll change course. Yeah. Okay, go develop this thing where like you're, con- you know, you're pushing to SQS and then consuming those locally. So we built that whole thing out, and then it's like, frick, that doesn't work either. Like they're they can't push to SQS now. Like their API stuff don't doesn't work. It's like, oh my word. And so yeah. anyway, we've had to pivot like literally probably three or four times in the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. It's been a nightmare. But yes. it's launching on Tuesday, this new phone system. So one way or the other, it's happening. So <laughs> we'll see. We'll, we'll see. Find we might out. have to just we'll we might, find yeah, out. exactly. Might just have to process backlogs after the fact. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, just give us a uh, just give us a CSV at the end of the day of what happened and we'll process them somehow. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, that's that's work stuff. But uh, we've got other fun things, exciting things to talk about. So amazing things to talk about. Shall we? Go ahead. I'll let you I'll let you start us out. Well. I think last last episode we talked about soft launching, then ping me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, we said, uh, yeah, yep. We did that. I think on we recorded this on on the Sunday. We had soft launched, so we had deployed everything on the Friday and just right. let it sit and simmer. And then we went into full marketing mode at the end of that week. So the week before Thanksgiving for you guys yes. over there, we went in. Uh, we did the we did the Twitter thing. We sent out email to our our list we um hit up laravel news we sponsored them got that on the podcast got a lot of traffic got some good feedback from a lot of people a lot of thanks to a lot of different people for for sharing our message and and getting the word out there about it i yeah, so didn't really I specifically who said he was like you guys have done a really good job marketing this he's like literally every channel that i go to mm-hmm. to look for any of my laravel stuff i'm seeing your guys stuff come up so which was good yeah. that was that felt good because it's like yeah Taylor tweeted it. Adam tweeted it. We had it on Laravel News. It was like you know, we had some mm-hmm. good good stuff. So that was that was fun. Yeah, it's been um, and I tried not to do everything all at once. So we did you know Twitter, and then we did Laravel News, and then someone put us up on uh, on Product Hunt. Um, mm-hmm, that's right. I yes. did. Mm-hmm. I I didn't want to, but I did in the end put it on Reddit. Um, yes, you know, just sort of right. spreading it out over a period of time, just to keep that momentum rolling for a bit longer than initial you know big bang and then nothing happens kind of thing and, and also it's, too, and it's sort of building good. that building that link network too so that when somebody searches for it it's like in all the places mm-hmm. you would expect to find it or you know there's at least discussions happening in whatever sort of uh channel you usually hang out in right so if it's reddit if it's yeah. twitter if it's like blog posts if it's a podcast wherever you sort of mm-hmm. get your news you've at least had a a spot where you've heard about it yeah yeah Yes, so it's um you know it's good to get that out and stagger it and and keep the ball rolling on that. It's been I know that you know I've heard other people talk about it, but not experienced it myself. The 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 mental thing that's like I don't want to keep talking about this because you know I don't want to feel like I'm overwhelming people. But um, you know, just understanding that not everyone you know there's so much happening on Twitter at the moment that Correct. not everyone's going to see it the first time you tweet it. So retweeting it and then quote tweeting it and then sending a new tweet and you know, just, just keeping it in front of people. And I've had a number of people say, you know, I've signed up, but I haven't had a chance to play with it yet. We've had a number of people that have signed up. 
which has been good. I I didn't really know. I don't know from your perspective. I didn't. I don't think we've really spoken about it, but I didn't really know what the expectation was in terms of signups. It's been slow and steady. It's been a bit of a trickle, but we've been picking up you know a few trials every day since we launched, which has been good in terms of like keeping the lights on. The the customers that we've got are going to be enough to yeah. keep paying the bills once Bezos money runs out for us. So that's good. Um, <laughs> And it's just been like little things that that we hadn't come across during testing and during all of our early access. Picked up some issues around how we were handling time zones, fixed that up pretty quickly. You know, just a few little bits and pieces here and there around communication. We had, same as we had with early access, had a few people reach out to me and say, this is not working or it's it's sending me alerts, but my tasks are running and, right. and just sort of working one. through those things. Yeah, it people is, don't, it people is a don't understand kind of like what the purposes of that or how that's supposed to work. Yeah, or... and like we've documented it, but maybe it's not clear and I'm not sure necessarily the best way of tackling like that. Um, like there, there is a specific thing in the FAQ that says, I got an alert, but my task ran, you know, what is this? And we talk about, you know, it could be because you've got the overlaps and you've got tasks that are running longer. So they're slowing things down to the point where they're running off schedule. The one, someone reached out to me, via dm on twitter and said oh you know we got a whole bunch of these notifications and all of our tasks are running but you know we keep getting the email saying that they're missing and then straight away we get a thing saying that they're they're fine and that had turned out the way that they had their infrastructure set up they had configured their tasks to run every five minutes but their infrastructure they were running on a kubernetes cluster and it was only spinning up the the containers every 15 minutes to run that task so right you know of course if you say that the task is going to run every five minutes but you're you're actually only running it every fifteen, then yeah, we're gonna tell you that it's running late, right? Because it didn't right. come after e- five minutes. Yeah. Even so, if you have like a subsequent failure rate of like three, like it's probably gonna still hit that, right? Like because right. you haven't hit the first one, the ten minute, and then a fifteen minute, and if it fails or if it's late at all while it's spinning up that cluster, yeah. or whatever, right? Then yeah, it's gonna even if you have like, hey, don't alert me for a couple subsequent failures, like you'll probably still get mm-hmm. something. Yeah. So there's um, consecutive failures. Is is was one approach to that? Um, run, you know, setting a, a loud runtime or a grace time was another approach to that. I said realistically, either you need to make your infrastructure run the tasks to the schedule that you've configured, Correct. or you need to change yeah. the the schedule to match what your infrastructure is running at. Right. Um. Sadly, um, they just cancelled their account. Never heard from them again after that. So. They removed their pro. Well, they didn't cancel their account, but they removed their project and and stopped monitoring, and and that was kind of it. So, you know, I'm I'm sure we'll get things like that come up every now and then. Right. I, I don't we're think paying, I'll ever we're know. We're paying for our education, right? That's yeah. kind of what it is, right? So it's like, yeah, you get some customers who are frustrated or don't understand maybe what how it's supposed to be working, or like you know maybe mm-hmm. they you know so the feedback he gave was was good. Like he said like maybe you should yeah. batch. Maybe we should do some like batch notifications. So we're actually working on sort of, well, right now we're working on is different channels for notifications, mm-hmm. right? So we have mm-hmm. these alert channels that basically you can you can set up at the team level where you say, hey, when something fails, you can alert these emails or hit the Slack channel or hit this Telegram location or custom webhook to this uh, mm-hmm. endpoint, right? And so I'm working on that right now. Should have that finished hopefully by tomorrow. And so uh, that should give you some additional options as to like, if you don't want to get hit with email, like Slack is probably a great option. I know that's what we mm-hmm. do with our sort of like our home world one we always did was always hit Slack. Like, so email yeah. is just not necessarily always 
the best option. But Slack is a great, great one. Uh, I feel like yeah. that's that's what I'm going to be using. So, so anyway, yeah, that should be out hopefully soon here. So that should, you know, maybe some of these suggestions that that guy had otherwise would have been maybe better received through a Slack message rather than through email. Maybe he felt like yeah. his email is getting like, um, you know, there's too much, too much of it. So yeah, and yeah, like, I get that. Case. Yeah, we've seen that through the early access, and and I saw that as well. You know, even through our testing before we opened up for, for early access, that it can get a bit noisy if if it's misconfigured. And I don't really know the best way of tackling it. You know, batching it up, saying I, I know that Sentry does it, but Sentry is you know you could receive a thousand events in the space of seconds, where we're talking failures over. 15 minute periods, right? It fails. Right, exactly. Fails to run after five minutes. We send the notifications and then 10 minutes later when it actually ran, we close it. And so you get the emails again saying that the task has recovered. And then five minutes after that, when it doesn't run on the schedule that, that is expected, you get another bunch of emails saying that it's missing. So I don't, I don't know necessarily that there's an easy way to batch that up because it just looks like a normal like failure success cycle. So... Yeah, or it's, maybe we make it more obvious thing. through like the the thing is like you actually we already already have like the timeline where it shows like hey this is where it failed this is where it succeeded or whatever right mm-hmm. we can see you can see that because I was gonna say maybe we just make it more obvious to them for why they're getting subsequent you know why they're getting notifications like that but mm-hmm. they should be able to see that sort of like in the timeline of the task the check ins yeah. the things and all that stuff yeah the other the other one that I saw that was interesting was um, getting getting uh, notifications in Sentry that it was failing because a, a signing secret wasn't set. And that's that's a client side thing. So that's in your application. You haven't got a signing key set. And that was because the, the first question I asked in the, in the troubleshooting process was, are you running this from multiple environments? And I got a quick no. So, you know, we went and did some digging and it turned out, no, they were running <laughs> from a staging environment, which wasn't actually configured with with the project ID and the signing key. So obviously it wasn't gonna work. So there was there was that. So there's like little things. I guess they can be dealt with through education. Um, you know, mm. yeah, maybe that, take that some time over said, like, over Christmas is is to sort of put some videos together or something. Just to yeah. just to make it clear. It's it's tricky to reproduce these kind of things. Like to make videos that are like showing what is happening. Yeah showing yeah. that the the failure is happening and then you know stepping through why that's happening videos that are that are showing you like how to a- create a new project and then set it up and then see all your tasks sync into like that's easy because that's that's a standard process but building an environment where you can show that a task has failed because it didn't ping or because it pinged on the wrong schedule or or things like that they're a bit trickier to to kind of record so it it would take some thought i think yeah like the question that you could probably answer though is sort of like Hey, I got a 404. Like I got a 404 when I tried to run my task, right? And that was sort mm-hmm. of one of the other things. It was like, what is why is that happening? Right. They didn't they didn't really understand. And so you solved that through like a try catch, right? You said, like, mm-hmm. okay, try this. And if it doesn't work, then catch it and, and just log it. Like, don't throw an yeah. exception, just log it. So hopefully, if they check their logs, right, that's gonna work. But it's not gonna mm-hmm. throw an exception for them, right? So it should be okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the issue is that we were because we're using HTTP, the Laravel's HTTP client to retry and timeout, in those scenarios, it doesn't swallow the exception. It will throw a request exactly, exception. And yeah. because we weren't explicitly catching that, it was then falling through to the Laravel exception handler, which was causing 
that task to fail. Now, we don't want to be responsible for a task failing. We want right. to report when it finished, started, skipped, whatever. Or if it failed within the execution of your task, we'll catch that as a as a failure. Or Laravel will catch that as a failure in the task and then send a ping. But we don't ever want to be responsible for a task not working. So we just updated the, the client library. I have, last night, I pushed out some changes that will essentially attach the client library version to the payload so that we can always see for every ping what yeah, yeah. version you're running. So if, if there's a bug that we know has been fixed and we can see you're running an older version, then we can say, I oh, just, just update your version. This this was fixed in you know 2.3.9 or 2.4 or whatever. I wanted to do that as headers, but because we're using the Sparsity webhook package, we don't have access to the headers, unfortunately. And it would have been really? easy to do it that way. So we had That's to... Odd. Yeah, because it, in, it comes into the webhook handler and the webhook yeah, handler yeah, takes... It. Yeah, it, yeah, it, the payload, it handles the, the exception yeah. and it stores the payload, but not the, the, the headers or anything like that. Exactly. Um, and I didn't really want to hack around with it too much. So right. I just sent the version as part of the payload, which ended up being a little bit easier. We changed the the verify. No, not the verify. The sync and the setup tasks to run in sync. So by default, we are configured to put all of our jobs on the queue. So they go to the background. Now, if you had your application configured to run Horizon or Redis or whatever, but the queue worker was not running when you pushed, you know, when you ran the setup command, it would push a job onto the queue, which never gets worked. The setup command would say, yep, all good, because it's just saying it's all good that it's been pushed to the queue. So... If the queue wasn't working, the setup would never happen and then you end up in this scenario where you think everything's working but but we're not updating on our side. So those two commands, because you typically want instant feedback, I have changed them to just run in sync. So that was a good bit of fun. But um, yeah, lots of little things, but it's been nice to see, you know, as I said, the steady trickle of people coming in. I had no expectations around how many people would sign up or how many people would yeah. convert. Um, we've got a number of customers that are converted now um, through slight mishap with our trial system. <laughs> yeah, we had a little <laughs> bit of snafu there. Since been fixed. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, that was um, checkout wasn't well. At least when I went into the UI, it was like, "Hey, checkout is not compatible with trials." But then you mm-hmm. messaged like one of the developer advocates, whatever at Stripe. Mm, CJ, no, no, you can, you can, and here's how you do it. And then you just went in and yeah. fixed it. It was like, "Oh, okay, it works." Mm-hmm. And so uh, that was right before the last Laravel News podcast, I think. So the one other item I wanted to talk to you about, which I think is a maybe interesting point of discussion. So we had talked about, so we have the different channels through which we're notifying people, right? So we have email, Slack, Telegram, and then custom webhook is, is the four that we have right now. Uh, so right now, currently, as of this moment, the only notification channel that we're using is email. And by default, the way that it works is however many team members you have, when it fails, it will email those team members, all those team members. Mm-hmm. So that may or may not be how you want it to happen, but that's how it currently works. And uh, moving to this new system, what we'll want to do is basically when we create this new uh, set of notifications, we'll want to create a new record uh, of an alert channel for each person on that team. Right. So we want to say, hey, Michael and Michael has an email record and Jake has an email record and David Hempel has, a, has an email record. Right. Mm-hmm. And those are the three people on the team. And if you want to remove them individually, you can do so. That's fine. No worries. The one thing that I was interested in is if you add a team member, 
and you don't have them added to the notifications, do they automatically get added as a email notification at that point? Mm-hmm. And then if somebody leaves the team, do we automatically remove them from the notifications at that point? And if so, or or let's say that their email changes, right? For example, they, they signed up with one email, but it wasn't the email that they normally use, so they changed their email and whatnot, right? Okay, so is it possible to manage, uh, basically look at that notification alert, or sorry, that alert channel, and update it automatically based on when they update their email or when they leave mm-hmm. the team or join the team, whatever. Is it possible to do that? And the answer is yes, absolutely is possible mm-hmm. to do that. My question is if it wouldn't be easier or maybe more clear to have a special type of notification channel called email team or team email, which basically says we're not gonna we're not gonna create individual records for each email. If you want to create an email that it goes to that's somebody outside of the team, absolutely go for it. Or if you don't want everybody in the team to be notified whenever something happens, totally fine. That's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. But if you want if you just want the default behavior, which is to just email the whole team, we just have a special channel called team email. And that just says, hey, anybody who adds, who gets added to the team or who gets removed from the team or who updates their email or whatever, we'll just handle it exactly as we do now, which would be, hey, when there's a notification to go out, we go look and see, do you have a alert channel called team email or of the type mm-hmm. team email? And if you do, then we'll just send it to the whole team. And if, you know, for some reason or somehow you accidentally duplicated the email, no problem. Like we're just going to dedupe on email address anyway. So it doesn't make any difference. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, we'll send to team is the current behavior in the absence of any other configuration, right? We will send to all, all members on the team, including the owner. So if there's uh, an alert to be sent, it will go to everyone. If there's an alert to be closed, we will send to everyone. Giving, I, I think initially giving the, implicit option this was around migrating from the current way of just doing everything into the new system like by default we will set up email for everyone on the team to to receive everything the other thing that we haven't really spoken about i suppose is do we have these things per project or per team because you might be an agency for example say you're titan and matt wants to be able to receive notifications for all tasks uh, for all projects, but Keith only wants to receive tasks for the two projects that he's on. Right, right, yeah. So I think currently we're doing it per per team, but I think maybe it needs to be down into per project. Per project. Yeah, which, I do agree. Which with is that. fine. Yeah, I think we. I think what we do is we probably roll it out for team first, and then we can probably it. It wouldn't take a whole lot more work. I'd like to get something. I'd like to get it out for team just to just to get it working, tested and working. And then I think we can drill it down to project level pretty easily. The only thing that's different about that is we have to figure out where we want them to be able to manage those notifications. So like currently, the way that you manage all the team stuff is just in the top level menu. We have like billing and then we have like team settings and we have all that. And right now it's going to be notification settings up in there as well, mm-hmm. uh, where you'll just set up the, the whole team level notifications. Um, yeah. But... I think what you would do is like currently the only sort of options you really have on the project level are delete project, right? Yeah. So you might have another sort of cog next to delete project that just says project settings. And then you just click that and maybe that has some notification mm-hmm. stuff in there. Right now, that's all that mm-hmm. would be in there is project notifications, yeah. I suppose. And I think uh, that's so okay. You could even I just think, say, yeah. I think that probably makes sense. As long as you make it 
easy because we were talking about how Sentry does it, and Sentry is basically everyone receives notifications for everything in the in the entire team. So there's no per project settings. I don't. I'm into minds about project it settings. because I have per project settings on Sentry. Yeah, I think that the default is everything to everyone though. Gotcha. Yeah, sure. It is. It is. You're right. And so I'm. I mean, I guess that's the the default. And if you set a per project, it should override the team. So if I know the if way you that, and I, yeah. if you and I are configured on the on the team, but there's a specific project where only you are configured, then that should take precedence over the team configuration. But then you know you're adding in the complexity there. Do do we do we need it? And so I, as I was saying, I'm I'm in two minds about it because. If you do it per project, it means you have to go and configure it for every single project. Right. If you do it per, per team, it means you have no granularity about, you know, you don't want to send it to everyone for everything kind of thing. Yeah. As, as I said mm-hmm. in the agency example, I think if you were to make it team global and then override it per project. So as soon as there's a notification channel set for the project, that will take precedence over all of the team settings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. I know that, yeah, it is. It's a tough problem. And you basically just have to make a decision and do it. Like, I think, I think what you're talking about would work. I just think that it could be somewhat confusing, right? You'd have to be, you just have to be explicit about it in the UI. You just have to say, you do have to say, uh, note that any per projects level settings will, will, will either be in exclusion of team level settings or in addition to team level settings, right? You just have mm-hmm. to be explicit about it. I know with uh, ODIR, they have, team level settings, project level settings, and then actually specific notification level settings. So like you can say mm-hmm. for team update everybody, for project update only this person and then for like a HT, you know, a cert expiration only notify this person. Right? Like you can like all the way down. You can go all the way down and all the way back up. But I think they stack. They're actually stackable. I don't mm-hmm. think it excludes anything. So yeah. It's just sort of like a judgment call. So that's why that's why I sort of say we start with the team level and then kind of drill down as there's need there or as there's demand for that for that uh feature. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So hey, we are we are at 31 minutes though. I know we were uh, gonna really shoot for 30 here. So uh with that in mind, we can uh we can wrap this episode at epi- <sighs> at uh eighty six if you're good with that. Okay. Let us wrap this with two pieces of information. First off, if you are looking to monitor your Laravel scheduled tasks, check out thenping.me. We've been talking about it for a year and a half. So if you don't know what it is by now, the website has some good information. If you want more information, reach Jake or myself on Twitter at Jacob Bennett at Michael Dorinda. Pricing for thenpingme, $9 for one team, one project, $14 a month for three team members, 10 projects and unlimited. And uh, $49 a month for unlimited team members and unlimited projects. All three pricing tiers give you unlimited task monitors. It is hands-free. You do not need to go and configure a new endpoint URL if you want to add a new scheduled task. Just add the scheduled task to your console kernel, run then then ping me sync as part of your deployment process, and it's all done for you. You get two months free if you pay for an annual subscription. As I said, check it out at thenping.me. If you sign up using the coupon code FIRSTIN, F-I-R-S-T-I-N for November, you will get 5% off the current launch price for your first three months. So that'll be up to 40% off depending on the tier that you're on um, or 5% off for any of the annual subscriptions. We also want to say thank you to our friends at Fathom Analytics. 
They're at usefathom.com forward slash north where you can get a 15-day trial and a $20 credit on your service when you sign up using that link. Uh, They are privacy-focused analytics. They are susceptible but also impervious to distributed denial of service attacks. You can learn more about that on their blog. Jack Ellis went into great detail as he often does with his tech stack uh, over there. So privacy-focused analytics, we are using it ourselves on then ping me. It shows us all of the things that I actually care about, which is how many people visited and how many uniques visited um, and none of the stuff that I don't like operating system and browser and locate. Like I, I don't care about any of this or location. You know, I want to know where people are coming from, but only down to the country level. So definitely check that out. Use fathom.com forward slash north. And also thanks to Joe Lennon and friends at workvivo.com. That is all from me. You can check out show notes for this episode at northmeetsouthaudio forward slash 86. If you like the show, you can rate us up five stars in your podcatcher of choice is always appreciated. If you have any questions, comments, or abuse, you can reach us at Michael Drinder, <laughs> at Jacob Bennett Hopefully on not. Twitter. We will be back here in two weeks for what I believe will be our final episode of mm-hmm. 2020 with the Dads and Dev crew who are no longer Dads and Dev. And no, with yeah, special guests, TJ Meller and Chris Gamir. Yes. And maybe even, uh, no, Andrew Delpretti's in that group. Sorry. Yes. He's Gimme in the, the Dads, Dads and Dev, and Dev. Yes. Which is the normal we'll see if we can get Yaz dis- onto another podcast. Dads and Dev. There's yeah. nothing wrong with having 12 people on a podcast, all right? Absolutely. We can do Absolutely. It. Yep. I agree. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you in two weeks. Have a good one.